we're talking in a series about the gifts that Jesus gave unto men. And uh, if you need sermon notes, wave at me. Keeping up with the notes. We're going to uh, bounce through this. We're not, uh, it, it talks about apostles and prophets and evangelists. And since we've got evangelists here today, we're going to talk about evangelism. And most of the people that came up for prayer this morning asked for their family to get saved. So can you get in agreement with people getting saved these next three days? How about children? And hey, you're all welcome to come and just enjoy, watch what God does in these children's lives. And uh, if you want to be a part, you're welcome to come sit in the back, bring your neighborhood kids, bring your grandkids, and we're believing God for children to get saved. The greatest miracle on earth is somebody giving their heart to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Giving their heart to Jesus is the greatest miracle on earth, but God does all types of miracles. And, uh, and you know, these, these are gifts that Jesus uh, gave to the body of Christ, but it's, it, it's, it's not the nine gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we believe in those and the fullness of those, but these are gifts that you need to recognize. And as we go through these things, people say, well, I don't need to study this because I'm not an apostle. I, I'm not a prophet. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. But you are called to do every one of them. And so we're going to look at, at doing the work of an evangelist today and how we're all called and what does it really mean And, and uh, as we dig into this. And so uh, evangelists uh, equip people to deliver the message of Jesus. And uh, you, you've got a message of Jesus. We're just going to dig into this. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you as we break this down that you teach us and show us who we are in you and what we're called to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of the time, people look at these, and we'll read Ephesians 4. Uh, it'll be on the side screens this morning. Uh, 4 and 7 says, but to, each one, uh, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Come on, you've got grace on your life. And it's not, don't be selfish with it. It's not just for you. And so God wants to give you some grace. And it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. And these are gifts. So uh, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are gifts to the body of Christ to excite you, to fire you up, to live for Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to teach you about Jesus, to give a uh, break revelation uh, to you from the Word of God to help you live a better life. Because there's more than just being saved. That's just the doorway. And Jesus said, I'm the door. I stand at the door and knock. And so we have got to know that God wants, God wants you to be the light. It's hard to be the light when you're starving. It's hard to be the light living in a culvert. But God wants you to be the light in the good times, in the bad times, in the hard times, when, in the soft times. So, so in, in Ephesians 4, 11, let's read it. Uh, it says, uh, And he himself gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. In verse 12, and he said, it's for the perfecting of the saints, the maturing of the saints. Don't get hung up on nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, but let's mature. Let's grow up in the things of God. Perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man, there it is, a mature man or woman, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, I'm a pastor, but as a pastor, I'm also a saint and a believer, and I have to do the work. I, I, I encourage people to do the work. I walk with people through hard things, but I also have to live this life too. And, and uh, because a lot of us have a mindset that, well, you know, apostles and prophets, and they just got it made. I mean, you know, they got a open door with God, and, and God just blesses them because. No, he don't. I have to believe God. I have to pray. I have to live. I have to read the Word. I have to struggle through the, my flesh and through what the enemy is doing to people. I mean, I have to deal with the devil just like you do. If you hadn't recognized it, we're in a war. And so we, we have an enemy, and we need to know how to fight. And, uh, you know, somebody said, well, how can a spiritual God, a, a spiritual God whom you cannot see, and, and how is he in the spirit? How can, it, can he even bother us? How can he affect us? Well, when's the last time you saw depression? There it goes. When's the last time you saw joy? Is that joy over there? 
It affects you. Peace will affect you. You don't see it. You can't smell it. Uh, you don't taste it. But when you've got peace, you're in a good place. But when you don't have peace, and where does it come from? It comes from a spiritual realm. God brings peace. The devil brings dis-ease. Dis-ease. No ease. A, lo- a lack of peace. And so we got to recognize that there's some spiritual things going on when you're depressed, when, when, when uh, you're sad, when you're sorrowful, and you have no reason to be. You know, you ever got up and said, you know, somebody said they got up on the wrong side of the bed. Well, go get back in the bed and get up on the right side of the bed on purpose. You ever thought about that? Get in the Spirit of God, and, and we'll, we'll talk about some things, but let me go ahead. I was, it was talking about World War, World War II miracles. And this was pretty, the, in the Battle of Guam, they were expecting a battle to start. And it was nighttime, they're in the jungle, they have a perimeter, the Marines have a perimeter set up, and, and this, this guy has is, is, is got his helmet on, got his gear on, he's got his gun up, and they're looking, they're straining, like I'm straining to see through these lights. And they're straining through the darkness, and they're looking for the enemy, they're expecting them to attack any time. While this is going on, this guy's mom had breast cancer surgery. And she came out of surgery, and she's in pain, and she's in and out, and she's struggling. And, and, and their, her husband's with her, patting her on the hand, and, you know, it's whatever you need, baby. And all of a sudden, she says, duck, Philip, duck. And at night in Guam, he's there, and he said, in the stillness and the quiet, he heard, duck, Philip, duck. And he ducked, and the bullet hit the top of his helmet. Now, what is that? Well, he said, I was lucky. And his daddy said, no, you weren't. Your mama called out praying for you, even in her pain. Wow. There's all kinds of things like that that go on. We just learned to learn how to tap into stuff like that because God will tell you and help you and guide you. And it should be natural. You know, you see people do religious things and, and, and they, they do it just in church and they all this and that and the other. But it's not a religious thing. It's an everyday thing that we're walking with God. And it's an everyday thing that we, we're listening for God. We're being led by God. And we was, we're supposed to be the light and the salt. When, when hard times come, people are going to say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, we're going to trust God. What if aliens land out in the, in the parking lot, Pastor Brett? Jesus is still Lord. You know, it may scare the willy out of us, but Jesus is still Lord. And now they're going to get off telling us about Jesus, or they're going to be of the devil. That's just built. There it is. It doesn't change the Word of God. Bigfoot comes, sits on the back row. We ain't going to let him sing. My brother said, have you seen Bigfoot up in those mountains? I said, yeah, he came to church on Sunday night, but I wouldn't let him sing. What is all, that, that's all distraction from what you're called to do. Man, the world and the devil will make up stuff to get you off the mark of following Jesus. There's all kinds of video game distractions and all this and that and the other and YouTube and this and that. We've got to keep our focus. That's what the word was. Come, reason together. Come in, walk with me. And it's better. It's better walking with God. And this thing's real every day. And church is where we rally together and get fired up. So let's talk about being an evangelist and what an evangelist is. Uh, uh, As a, a saint and a believer, we all do the work of the ministry. And I want to remind you, these gifts, apostle, prophet, they're supposed to be serving you. Huh? They're servant leaders. They're not lords. Come on, I'm not a lord over you, and I don't tell you how, what car to buy and house to buy and how many kids to have. That's baloney. That's junk. That, that's the enemy. And, and the enemy wants to get in church, and he will if you don't watch him. But you know what? I will pray with you, and I'll encourage you. I'll tell you what the Word says. And that's what we want. So number one, what's an evangelist? And the first one that pops to your mind ought to be Billy Graham. Billy Graham's an evangelist, right? He's one of the fivefold. I mean, wh- probably one of the greatest evangelists, especially in our lifetime. But there have been others uh, through history. Billy Sunday, different ones like that. All through history, there there were evangelists, and, and we'll talk about the first evangelist in just a second. But I just want to show you the words. Uh, I, I on the screen there are three three words I want them to put up there, and two of them are Greek, and one of them you're going to see. The last one says evangelist, but the first two are Greek. 
and I am not a Greek scholar, but it's pretty cool. Euanglion is the first one. It sounds French to me, but euangliaist is the second word. The first word is the gospel. The second word is a person who carries the gospel or delivers the gospel. And then evangelist is the second word, is what we in English say evangelist, a person who delivers the gospel. Now, now the first the first word is the good news, but it's the carrier of the good news as well. The good news is, that, is, is, is Jesus lived a perfect life. He was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. He came and died for your sins. And, and, and that death on the cross was for everything. It was when you lose a loved one, it's for the peace of God. He was chastised for our peace. He knows pain. When you're in pain, he knows pain. The Bible says he was tempted in every manner that we were tempted in. There's nothing new under the sun, y'all. Oh, it's 2023, Pastor. Nobody's ever faced the stuff we're facing. Are you kidding me? It's been worse. And it may get worse, but you know what? That's the birthing pains and revelation of the woman. Jesus is coming, y'all. And all this junk going on in the world, is, it, it, man, it, he's fixing to birth his church. And he's coming back. And I'm ready to go. It's going to be the greatest day in history. That he came is the greatest day now, but the, the future greatest day is when he returns. Woo! And so uh, the king is coming, and we need to get ready. And, and so that's what this, is, this sermons are about, and, and so many people ask for people, to, they want their family saved. How about you? You want your family saved? We need our family saved, and we need evangelists. And we need you to be an evangelist. Well, wait a minute. Because every one of you that are born again carry the good news. Maybe you're the evangelist called to your workplace. Maybe you're the evangelist called to Volvo. Maybe you're the evangelist called to every time you walk in food line, you're the evangelist in there. You ever thought about that? You're the carrier. You have the answer to everybody's problems. Well, Pastor, I got problems. You know what? When you get off the focus of your problems and start doing what God tells you to do, your problems getting taken care of. God's going to take care of you. He's going to guide you and lead you, and he will take care of you. That's what faith is, is trusting. Can you trust him? We got to learn to trust him. And, and so as we look at this, uh, an evangelist is a messenger, a person who delivers or announces the good news. Uh, and, uh, man, we need to be announcing it. Come on, don't get weird with it. You know, I, I've heard a story. This woman went into the bank to the teller and, God's here to do and everybody went. That, that ain't real. That's put on. That's a show. Huh? That's a show. You don't have to put on a show, but you got to be real. And, and when the opportunity comes, you know when you should have said or what you should have said or could have said, and you missed it. You know, it's not the ones that I hit. I love the, the I can tell stories where, whew, I obey God, I obey God. But, man, the ones that haunt me is where I didn't obey God. And that's the enemy, too. He wants to bring that up. God's forgiven me. God still loves me. He still loves us when we miss it. He knows. He still loves you. But you know what? It's time for us to pray for boldness. It's time for us to share our story. It's time for us to carry uh, what we've got to do. So in Acts 8 uh, and 5 through 8, this is the first evangelist in the Bible. His name's Philip. Philip started off as a deacon. You know, we started this off as apostles that there's a time for you're called and then there's a time you're sent. And, and, and Philip was called, but he wasn't sent. And actually, the church in, in Jerusalem really didn't get sent starting off. They had pressure from the, from the government and they were throwing them in jail. So they all scattered, but yet they took the gospel with them. And Philip went down to Samaria and he preached the gospel. And there's what it says, he went to cities and he preached Christ to them. In the next verse, it says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. The miracles were the calling card that this, this stuff's got to be real. This stuff's real. And so uh, I like the, the, the next verse. It says, uh, For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And the next verse said there was great joy in the city. Man, that, that's that's. You know when you're saved, you got great joy. I was telling about a, uh, a gentleman that got saved here, 
and he had been through sickness and uh, uh, depression. And when he left church, he called his family and said, I found my church. And, and, and he got saved that day, and he had great joy. And they said, man, he was so joyous. And he got saved on Sunday, and he passed on a Monday. Wow. God did that. God did that, set it up for him to give his heart to him. God cares. God cares. God cares about each individual person. And so Philip, in Acts 21, he talks about Philip the evangelist. And uh, if you read in Acts 21, it'll mess up your religion because Philip had four daughters who prophesied. That's exactly what Miss Dinah just came up and prophesied. But he had four daughters who prophesied all the time. That, that, that'll mess you up. Women are supposed to be quiet. No. The Bible's full of women that speak and speak the Word of God. Uh, so in 2 Timothy uh, 4 or 5, Timothy's a pastor, and Paul is speaking to Timothy and telling him to do the work. Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. I'm quitting. I'm just afflicted. I'm, you know. Endure it. Come on, suck it up. Be a, be a good soldier. You might have to sleep in the, in, in the foxhole. You might have to pitch a tent. Well, I like my feather bed. But no, you might have to endure some things. You know, Walmart may close down before, the, before Jesus comes. You all might have to suffer a little bit. Can't go shopping. Uh, it, it's a, it, but do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. So I, I, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Like, well, I, ain't, I can't do that, Pastor. I just can't. But let's dig into number two. What is my message? You have a message. You have a message. Start thinking about it. What did Jesus do for you? How did Jesus save you? When did you get saved? When did Jesus take you from point A to point B and grew you up? What, what happened in your life? Did, has God ever healed you? Has God ever touched you? Have you ever had a moment like, ooh, that was God? That was God. That's a message. And God wants you to tell your story. How did you get saved? When did you get saved? Man, we didn't have kids turn, but we had vacation Bible school back in the day. And I got saved at a vacation Bible school. I wanted to accept Jesus. And, and I told my mama, I want to I accept Jesus. And she called the pastor, came to my house. I can take you to the house. I can take you to the backyard where we sat down. And he prayed. He had me to pray the sinner's prayer. He prayed that I accept Jesus, Lord, and Jesus came into my life. And I told all my buddies, you know what? Man, I got saved. I'm getting baptized. And so, so that was a turning point in my life. But then God began to deal with me all through my life. Come closer. Come on. How about doing this? You know, I'd be more pleased if you did this. I'd be more pleased if you do that. And, and, and you know, I, I went to jail ministry, and I did things, and I'm like, man, I don't, I've never been to jail. I've never been on drugs. I've never done, you know, the, the, I, well, I probably could have went to jail a couple of times, but hey, but I haven't been in jail, but it doesn't stop me from being able to do minister the gospel. It doesn't stop me because, you know, I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't, I don't have to know, but I know the one who does know what you're going through. And I know he's the one that can help you out. I can't change you. I can't beat you up if, you know. As the pastor told the story, and he said, this other pastor friend to him, he said, you know how I got saved? He goes, I was so depressed. I was on drugs. I said, man, I, I was depressed. I, I, I need to get free. And he goes, and this is his story. And he goes, he goes man, he goes, I'm going to kill myself. And he said he, he put the oven down, and he turned the oven on, and he stuck his head in there, and he says, God, I need you. God, I need you. I need you, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe in you, Jesus. And he, he got out, and man, he knew God came into his heart. He shut the oven, cut it off, and he said, oh, I need to get a Bible. Lord, where do I need to read? And, and he came to him, the book of John. And he read all the way through the book of John, and he started into Acts. And, and his other buddy comes about three hours later after he gave his heart to Jesus, and, and he goes, dude, he, he says, hey, man, I, I got some drugs. He goes, I don't do drugs anymore. I just got saved. And he goes, well, how did you get saved? Because I want to get saved. He said, come on in here in the kitchen. <laughs> he said, stick your head in this oven. <laughs> and the dude got saved too. Now, hold on now, because I'm going to talk about religion just for a second. Systematic theology would say, you need to pack that oven up and put it on your back and go around 
If you want to get saved, this is how you do it. Right here, right here. If you come right here, you'll get saved right here. This is where I got saved. You can get saved. Folks, you can get saved anywhere. And God will use an oven to get you saved. Okay, and the guy said the funny part was that the oven was electric. Anyway, that's how drugs will mess you up. But it ain't the spot, it ain't the place, it's the matter of the heart. You can be on an airplane, in a bathroom, you can be anywhere, and you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. That's how easy it is. And people want to beat people up and tell them they're going to hell because they're chewing bubble gum and, and reading the funny papers. That's back in the 50s and 60s. That's what they preached. When I was a kid, you go, boy, you need to cut your hair. Don't come in here dressed like that. It's not the outward garment. Ladies or gentlemen, it's not how you cut your hair. If I had hair, I'd dye it pink and have it sticking straight up too. But here's the thing. It's not the outward man. It's the inward man that God's after. And that's what you've got to look at people when they're all gruff and tough. I, I ministered to a biker, and when he, I, I talk, dealt with him for six weeks just trying to win him to Jesus and talk to him. And the day he walked out, I thought, he's coming down here to punch me. That's what your mind thinks. And he came and gave his heart to Jesus. And every man in the room began to cry because the Spirit of God fell in on him. And he got to talking to me and said, you know, I, I, and, and, and our brother didn't know him, but I said, well, what do you know about Clayton? He goes, I'm not scared of him. I'm not scared of him? Dude, you're big enough to charge people to breathe. What, why would, what do you mean scared of him? He was scared of people. That was a facade. You know, he walked around and, you know, had his biker jackets on and all this stuff. And it's all fake. It's all to keep people at a distance because he's scared of them. That's what we're dealing with. Children in the inside who are afraid. They don't know God. And, and we tell them they're going to hell. It's like all these kids, shame on us for telling a child to go to hell up here. That's how we deal with people who are children in the spirit and we got to recognize that if they don't know jesus they don't know anything and we can't speak religion ease at them hast thou been justified by faith we start doing the king james out and we start doing all does the lord knoweth what you know and then we change our voice and get religion yeah it ain't religion jesus didn't do that stuff he built relationships he talked with them he shared with them and when the pressure came you said, you know, let me pray with you. Let me share my story with you just for a second. Let me talk with you what God wants to do for you. Because I know what he's done for me. And I know what he wants to do for you. Because, you know, that's our story, how he saved me. He healed me. He filled me. And I've got story after story after story. You can't talk me out of it. You know, I always wondered as a kid, how could somebody die for Jesus? Hey, I can't deny him. He's too real, and he needs to be real in your life. And when he becomes that real in your life, you know what? You, you're going to lose Jesus. You squeeze toothpaste, toothpaste comes out. When you get squeezed, it ought to be Jesus. We need Jesus to be real, and that, that's our story. Go back and start looking at your story. Well, I, I, you know, I told the story. This grandma got up and said, well, the Lord delivered me uh, from drugs and alcohol and prostitution. And all her kids like, what, Grandma? When? She goes, well, I got saved at nine years old, and God delivered me from all of that. That's the greatest testimony. And I mean, we the, sure, the miracle testimonies are awesome, but the ones where I, I never stepped and ventured into that because of God. I mean, we all, a lot of us have been abused. Uh, uh, all these things have happened to us during our lives and stuff like that, but that's not our identity. When you read 1 John, it's called, you're the beloved. Be loved, people. So, so come on. I'm loved, and you're loved by God. Quit going by, well, I just don't feel it. You don't have to feel it. You know? If you got money in your pocket, you have to do this to feel it. Don't, you don't have to feel the presence of God. You don't have to. You just need to know that God loves you. For God so loved the world. That's, that's our message. And you can, once you step out, even the Bible tells us when we step out to share our story, that God will guide our words and we'll be able to speak into people's lives. And what they going to say? No. I don't want to hear it. 
okay. That's a baby crying. They need a diaper change, but it's not your job. Huh? We have got to recognize that it's not that hard. Uh, so, so your story, your story. And you know, back, back in the day, it's, it's, we're going witnessing, okay? And, and, and listen, it's, witnessing is not something we do. It's who we are. Come on, change your, change your thinking. It's not what we do. It's who we are. We're, we're Jesus on the earth. We're going to represent him. Uh, somebody made us a, a cross. We've got two crosses that are too heavy for me to pick up, but they're big, heavy, made out of logs and stuff. But we built one one time, and six of us on Halloween, we, we drug a cross through town. You're talking about, you know, we went through the, the, the bad side of town carrying a cross, and kids were like, what is going on? Had a guy dressed up like Jesus? And he was all, you know, we, we, that was what we witnessed back in the day. We were witnessing. But every day you're witnessing how you respond to the new, how you respond when they say, you, well, everybody's staying over today. We're going to work two more hours. See, that's a witness. How you respond. What you going to do if you lose your job? What you going to do? You just bought it. I had somebody come up to me. They were closing this job now, and I was working there. And I said, what are you going to do? You just bought a car. I'm going to trust God. This thing's real. I got to trust God. We have to trust God no matter what comes down the road. <coughs> Excuse me. So. The gifts of the Spirit are equip us, but uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to empower us and, and a witness of someone who has personally seen and heard things. So let's read about seeing and hearing. What have you seen? What have you heard? And so uh, in Luke 2.20, uh, the shepherds heard and seen. It says the shepherds returned glorifying God for all the things that they had heard and seen and was told to them. The angels appeared to them and said, unto you a child is born. And talking about Jesus. So they, they came back testifying to everybody in town what they had seen and what they had heard. What have you seen and heard? What have you know? What do you know what God has done? Come on. God will pull that story up. It reminds you what God has done for you and through you and in you. And how you, 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 he changed your life and saved you out of different things. The disciples seen and heard. And John. And John... Uh, and Luke, Luke 7, 22, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the Baptist the things you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. This John the Baptist was the forerunner for Jesus, but, you know, in prison, you can get a little depressed. And it's like, is Jesus the one? Is he really the one? Is he the one? And so Jesus sent the disciples to encourage him. That yes, I'm the one. How many of you know that we all need somebody to witness to us from time to time? All of us get discouraged. All of us get, get beat down or get hurt. And we need people to pray for us. Uh, the disciples of Jesus, the disciples of John, the disciples of Jesus in Acts 4.20, what they saw and heard. And we cannot but speak to the things which we have seen and heard. And, you know, that's when they realized that these unlearned men knew a whole lot about the Bible, but they were with Jesus, and they had testified all what they had seen and heard. Peter got up and preached. 2,000 people got saved. What's that about? Because he preached what he'd seen and heard. He preached the good news. I, 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 I'm trying to stir you up this morning. Are you going to share the gospel? And this ain't one of them just, yeah, I'm ready. No, we need to be a witness. We need to be a light. We'll break down a funny one. Paul in Acts 22, 15. How many of y'all know the story of Paul? Got on a horse. He's going he's to uh, go beat up some Christians and throw them in jail, maybe kill them. Paul held the coat was they stoned Stephen, okay? That's kind of uh, man Paul was, or he was Saul at the time. And, and, and so Saul, when he got knocked off the horse, he was blinded. as God slowing him down. And, and, and he's, he's waiting in this city, and God tells Ananias, go pray for him. And he, Ananias thought, wait a minute, this guy is a Christian killer. You want me to go pray for him? 
Anybody other than me like, ever argue with God like that? You really want me to go pray for them? You really want me to go to jail? Are you kidding me? And you know what? I've seen people that of all personalities, you know, there's four main personalities. Every one of them can be president. Every one of them have been president. So you say, well, you know, Pastor, that's just not my personality. Baloney. No excuse. Because your personality could reach people with your personality. And I've seen people with a timid, quiet personality preach the gospel in jail. But look, look, for, for and, and, and Ananias told him, you're going to be a witness. God told Ananias, he'll be a witness to me of all he's seen and heard. And so, and so Paul's telling this story right here that, hey, I got on a horse and I was going to persecute these Christians. And, man, I got knocked off this horse. And the Lord said to me, and he goes, Lord. Uh, and he said, why are you kicking? Paul told his story everywhere he went. How God saved him, how God changed him, how God delivered him. He didn't talk about it, why, all of his struggles and weaknesses. He did write that in the Word for us. But when he's up to, preaching to God, he's talking about how good God is and how God saved him and delivered him. And, and he, he, he said he opened my eyes to who he really was. Paul told a story to, uh, right before, five years before he died when uh, King Agrippa and, and, and Felix, and, he, and he, the king said, dude, you, you almost, I want to be a Christian. And he said, that's why I'm telling you a story. I want you to be a Christian. Paul's being an evangelist at that when he's speaking like that. But how about one-on-one -on -one witnessing? Philip ran up to the Ethiopian looking for an opening. And he goes, whew, do you understand? And the Ethiopian's reading Isaiah, riding in a chariot. He goes, man, do you understand what you read? God will give you the words to open up somebody's heart so you can share the gospel with them. I don't know why I keep going back to the jail, but there was a guy in solitary confinement, and, and they said, stay away from him. He'll cuss you out. Just don't even go bother him. Go, you know. So I had to go by his cell to get my buddy. I said, dude, it's almost 2 o'clock. It's time to go. Come on, man. So I'm standing there, and I'm looking at this guy, and he's got this whole cell to himself, and he's probably in there for murder, attempted murder, or whatever. I don't know. I didn't ask and didn't want to ask. But I said, Lord, why? come on. What can I do? How can I witness to this guy? How can I share with this guy? And I look, and he had a, a book, and it was about the, the persecution of the Jewish people. And I said, hey, man, you read that book? He goes, he didn't want to talk to me. Yeah. I said, you know why they're the most persecuted people? Because they're God's people. He goes, well, boy, so he come at me. And I'm like, okay, oh, boy. What's it so? Who are you to say who's God? He goes, what about people that worship trees and, 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 and things like that, and that's their God? How can you say you're God's God? I said, okay, Lord, you got to help me. And the Holy Spirit just started rolling up in me. And I said, you know what? That tree's probably a pretty good God to give them shade. Maybe they can eat some nuts off of it or some fruit off of it. But I said, my God lives on the inside of me. He walks with me wherever I go. And my God, my God's with me always. I don't have to run to some tree or some idol or some God. My God lives on the inside of me. Man, this dude melted. But it's because it's because I submitted to the Holy Spirit and I asked. I got bold enough to ask. And yeah, He came at me. And, and so we'll talk about that in just a second. People are gonna come at you when you tell your story, but it's okay. They can't steal that story. Now, people are going to argue with the Bible with you. How to be baptized in the name of Jesus or baptized in the Father and Son or the pastor got to be on one leg when he baptizes you or you didn't get it. They make up stuff. They'll, the Bible, people want to argue, it's called division or denominations means division. It's sad, but if you believe in Jesus, we can walk together. Come on, it's about Jesus, but people won't, because they don't have the power of God or the life of God, they, 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 they want to argue scriptures that I'm one up you. I'm smarter than you are. Well, you, big deal, you're smarter than me. I got Jesus. And I got the mind of Christ. And when I am dumb, he is strong. When I am weak, when I don't know what to say when that man's responded like that, I don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit helped me. And before I left that man, in 10 minutes, he goes, my daughter's got cancer. Will you pray for her? I'm like, wow. It's God. We just have to put ourselves out there and know that God backs us, and we don't have to make be mad about it. If they tell you, I don't want to hear it, peace, love you, man. It's all right. Just turn and walk away. They don't take it personal. They're rejecting Jesus, not you. 
And so we got to be this evangelist, we, and we don't go around, you know, just being religious. We go, we be real. We l- learn how to pray. Pray over your kids. Teach them. Be real in your home. B- back in the day, they wouldn't let you go to these because if you're not in full time, they just want people with full time ministry coming here and doing this and that. And I said, I got three kids. I'm in full time ministry. I got a wife. I'm in full time ministry. I, I work 40 hours a week with a bunch of heathen. I'm in full-time ministry. I, I do youth work every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. And I leave work. I'm, doing, I'm full-time ministry. I'm doing all these things, but I'm, I'm trying to lead my family. I'm trying to be the light, trying to be a witness. I, mean, I used to set people up. They'd get in my car. I'd, put on, I'd look and see what they were. I could put on some gospel music. Or, man, this rocker got in my car. And he wanted to. I gave him the CD. I had a, something just for him. What is that music? That's Jesus music, dude. So, you know, I ask God, who, how do I reach him? How do I help him? How do I get to him? What am I here for at this job? It's more than to make money. You're the light and the salt of the earth. Hmm? I, I work for God, and I believe God to bless the company I work for so I could be blessed. Because you know what? As bad as we want it to, money don't fall out of the sky. Money comes from men. You either work, you, everybody's working for somebody. I don't care if you own your own business, you're working for your customers. Stand by my word. And we stood by our word, and we won people, we won business. And so, you know, it's everything's tied to the word of God. Business, life, marriage, kids, everything. What we teach our kids, it's all biblical. It's all in the word, and we need to live biblical lives. But, and as we do, we become this evangelist. And so uh, don't let people dismiss your testimony. And you need to learn to tell it. Religion will try to talk you out of it. Well, God doesn't do that today. Too late. He's already done it for me. He's real. And he's already saved me. He's already He's healed me before, and he's blessed me before. You know, I, I used to go and confess the word of God. Uh, Deuteronomy uh, says that we're blessed in the city, blessed in the field. And I said, Lord, I need to be blessed so I can do more for you. I said, if you'll help take care of me uh, financially, uh, I, I want to be where I can go and and, and pray for people in the hospital. I need to be off early on Wednesday to go minister to the youth. I need to do things if you'll help me. And, and I was driving down the road, and, and I was declaring Deuteronomy that I'd be blessed in the city if I hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord my God to do all that he asks, is what it says. And, and, well, and, and, and some of y'all went, well, that just disqualified me because I don't hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord my God. Well, change. And the day you say, all right, I repent, Lord, I'm going to chase you. I'm going to hearken diligently. That's your life begins. Come on. And I declared that I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. My children are blessed. My basket and store, my bank account, my savings account are blessed. I'm blessed because of the Lord God Almighty. Come on. And, and, and blessed doesn't mean rich. I never made a millionaire. I've made over a million dollars, but I don't have a million in the bank. I'm not a millionaire, but I'm blessed. It doesn't matter how much money I make. God helped you to extend it. God helped you to, just went blank, to, I almost said tutor it. But God helped you to control it, to manage it, to be a good steward of it. There we go. That's what I went to. it, And, and be a good steward of your money. It don't matter if you make 30000 You What happens is we start comparing ourselves. Well, she got a 65-inch screen TV. She really don't. I got to have one. I deserve it. Well, I can't afford it. Because you can watch it on your phone nowadays. Come on. And I'm getting off here, but that's a witness and a light that you can control yourself. A dude tried to witness to me, and he's eating beets, a can of 29-cent beets. I'm like, dude, I appreciate you trying to share the gospel, but come on. You just need a bath. That helps. Need a breath mint. That helps. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I thought I was going back to you. 
I said, guys, you're never getting a girlfriend. You don't brush your teeth and put some deodorant on. And you got to bathe too because deodorant on top of your stink don't change anything. It makes it worse. Anyway, religion will try to argue with you. We're not arguers. We're not arguing what I know I'm right. Who cares? God doesn't care that you're right. When you argue with a baby, you're wrong. Where is that baby? I, I want my little man's over there. I'll bring him up here, and he he can't. He's wanting to stand. He'll stand up, but he's not walking yet. For me to say, walk, walk, boy. He's not old enough to walk. And there's some eighty-year-old people that aren't old enough to walk spiritually. Quit beating them up. There's some twenty-year-old people that aren't old enough to walk spiritually. They need to grow. Feed them something. Let me give you some milk here. You know, God loves you no matter where you've been and what you've done. God loves you. I'm feeding them. Feeding them. You feed them spiritually. Man, I'm working with somebody now. I'm trying to get them on their feet. Dude, you got this job. Don't quit this job. I can't help you if you quit this job. This is your foundation. What do you mean? I thought Jesus was your foundation. Jesus is our foundation. But financially, you got to have a job to have a foundation. You can't keep quitting. Your goal is to have a car. Your goal is to have a house. Your goal is you need to be living. It's the same way with the gospel. You've got to get a foundation of the gospel under your feet. Then you know what? Your life begins to change and God begins to bless you. I'm getting off. Because the blessing is a witness. The blessing. How about favors a witness? God favor and be on your life. I know people that travel a lot. You know, they got these carts you put all your stuff on. This guy believed God. God, I need your favor today. I need one of those carts. And just I just want you to give me one today. And he'd walk in. There was a cart. They'd stick him in these things and lock him in. And there'd be a cart open and he could put all his luggage on there. God would do it for him. Come on. God, show you little things to help you. Let's tell a story real quick. So I want to encourage you to stick with the story. And let's read this right quick. In John 9, 1 and 2, this man was blind. He got healed. Jesus spit. I don't know what the spit. We got to find out what that spit's about, huh? He spit and made clay, and he put it on the guy's eyes, and he was healed. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And, 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 and so he was blind from birth, and he went and washed in the pool, and, and he got healed, and he could see. So this is on the Sabbath. Oh, boy. So in verse uh, 6. I want you to look at how many times uh, said, S-A-I-D, the word said. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and he made clay from the saliva and he anointed his eyes with blind and a blind man with clay. And in verse, uh, we'll just go to verse 8 and read all the way through. And so the man got healed and he can see. And look what his neighbors, therefore the neighbors of those who previously had seen that he was a blind, said, it's not the man who was blind who sat and begged. Isn't this the blind man? Next verse. And some said, this is he. Others said, well, it looks like him. And he said, I'm he. Okay, uh, let's straighten this out. I got saved. I'm he. I got healed. Okay, verse 10. Therefore, he said, how were your eyes open? These people asked. How were your eyes open? And he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. Boom. It ought to be enough, right? No, because religion don't want to receive it. Look in verse 12. And they said, well, where is he? He said, I don't know. Verse 13. They brought him who was formerly blind, to the Pharisees. Oh, now here comes the show. Because, you know, as people say, well, God, people today say God doesn't do that stuff. But Jesus, but they believe that Jesus just forgives sins, but he don't heal anymore. But Jesus healed a man that was, they dropped him through the roof, and he says, I can heal and forgive sins. It's the same with me. So, so uh, now it was the Sabbath day, and Jesus made clay, and he opened his eyes. Where are we at? We bounced through. Go back to 10. All right. How, and so now the Pharisees are asking, how are your eyes open? 
All right, so here's the guy. He's telling the story. Here he goes again. Tell your story. Keep with it. Verse 11. And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. Verse 12. And who is he? Where is he at? I don't know. Verse 13. So they brought him to the Pharisees. Now they brought him to the show. All right, now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus uh, made the clay and opened his eyes. Verse 15, and the Pharisees asked him, how again is, did he receive the sight? And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Because, you know, they'd already told it. He goes, they put clay, he's shortened it up and he's getting a little, kind of little. He put clay on my eyes, I washed, now I see. Okay, you got to read that into it. Cause that's what it then the Pharisees also asked again, how is it you received your sight? And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes, I washed, I see. Verse 16, therefore some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does this on the Sabbath. Others say, how can a man do these things if he is a sinner? And there was a division, a denomination between them. Come on. Not against the denomination. I preach in every one of them. And so, verse 17. And they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? And he said, is he a prophet? And the man, and the Jews did not believe concerning him, and uh, he had been blind, but that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents. So they called his parents. Now the parents are in here. Man, they're trying to disprove this thing. Don't let anybody disprove your story. I'm a child of God. You can't talk me out of it. I'm a believer. I know who I am in Christ. I'm the beloved. And so, so they call the parents in, verse 18, 19 now, and they answer and saying, is this your son and uh, who you say was born blind? How does he now see? <laughs> and his parents answered them and said, because they were scared of the Pharisees, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. But next verse, but, but by what means he now sees, we don't know. Who opened his eyes? We don't know. And uh, he's of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. Now, here he comes back to him. He's getting a little wore out. So, the, and he was, you know. All right. So, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that Jesus was the Christ, they'd be put, uh, be put out. Look at the next verse, verse 23. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. Verse 24, it's going again. And they again called the man who was blind and said, give glory to God, for we know that this man was a sinner. And look what this man says. And he answered and said, whether this man's a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I know, uh, though I was blind, now I see. Man, I know who Jesus is. He's the Savior of the world. How do I know that? Because he saved me. He saved me. Verse 26, man, and, and they're not through with him. It's so religious people are trying to talk you out of your testimony, but you're not going after religious people with your testimony. You're testifying to people who need Jesus. If people want to argue with them, see you later. I walked into the office one day at work, and the two secretaries was arguing about the word. And they said, what's your opinion? I said, my opinion is not worth a hill of beans. I'll tell you what the Bible says, and the Bible says, backs up itself and i'm like man y'all arguing in front of all these customers i said who got saved did anybody get saved because y'all arguing the bible and they go no i said don't argue the bible in front of people i mean there's such thing as iron sharpens iron where you're trying to dig out something but having a full-blown argument don't work nobody getting saved nobody's getting uh receiving anything from god they're receiving your religious opinion or systematic theology and i've taken that course Old Testament, New Testament, but we're not in a systematic theology, people. We live for Jesus, and we want to follow him. So I, I'm going to close this story right here. Listen, you have a story. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Man, there's people in here that have some, some phenomenal stories of what God did for them, but so are people who have never been in sin deep, and that's what I want for our kids, that they are not pulled away. That's why we have that confession that we confess that they hear the Word of God, they understand the Word of God, that they're strong in spirit, 
that they follow God, that they're not drawn away. We want them to live for God all the days of their life. It's the greatest testimony. But we want them to, to, to live and have the power of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus? Have you accepted him as Lord and Savior? If you haven't, if you're not sure, man, you need to have this assurance that you know that you know that nobody can talk you out of it. I know it's, I went a little long, but let me tell you this. There are people de deconstructing today because they, 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 they get talked out of their salvation and they walk away from Christianity. Kind of scary, isn't it? But if you go and follow their background, they all, they have head knowledge. It's not just head knowledge, people. It's heart knowledge. God told Nicodemus, you must be born again. That's not up here. That's in here. Nicodemus up here goes, well, how can I go back into my mother's womb? That's head knowledge. Heart knowledge is a change that God wants to recreate your spirit. Where Adam and Eve died in the garden, they died spiritually. God wants you to be born again in your heart, in your spirit. Bow your heads just for a second. If you've never accepted Jesus as Lord, never prayed, never accepted him as Lord, and you want to, will you lift your hand and say, pray with me, Pastor Brett? Come on, if you, you have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, Maybe you're here today and you're just wishy-washy, back and forth. I, I think I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Why don't you just, let's, let's just get right today and let's just make it solid. That you today, from this day forward, you're going to serve God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You're not going to play. And if you want God to be real with you, he knows how to be real with you. He can reveal himself to you. And you won't have to wonder, if he really real? If that's you here today and you want to you pray and come back or you want to make God real, will you just lift your hand? Hallelujah. Anybody? Then let's pray this together. Say, Father, today I commit fresh. Lord, stir in my heart so I can be that witness and that light. Thank you, Father, for my salvation. The greatest miracle has happened to me. Thank you, Lord, that I'm able to share it with joy. In Jesus' name, amen.